Welcome, everyone, to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting-edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at Mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome everyone, Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we're joined by Dr. Robert Malone, who's in my view, one of the most prominent and respected uh, leaders in helping us understand the scientific truth of what's actually happened with COVID. His deep, deep knowledge of the science, the true science <laughs> is uh, so greatly appreciated. And that's why he's respected by so many. And the reason he's on today is that his book is finally out or will be out very shortly. I think it's the first week of December. So it should be very close to the time we're airing this interview. And the book, of course, is Lies My Government Told Me. And as you can see, very prominently displayed in Dr. Malone's new studio that he's he's uh, put together in his in his uh his nearest in his horse, not in his horse room, but his farm in Virginia, I believe it is. So uh welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you. That was quite an introduction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that so the ebook is out. Um, just a couple days ago. Oh, it is? it's out already. Okay, so you yeah, can get the, the ebook. The ebook is out, and and the print one I think goes live in the first week in December. Uh, the publisher is racing, uh, and I've got over two thousand pieces of paper that I'm supposed to sign to be inserted into the ones that are going to be uh, uh, um, provided uh, with with signature. So, so the thing has a certain amount of momentum, and the. Uh, the ebooks seem to be um, moving along. Uh, it's it's uh, it's moving up the rankings in that. And um, but strangely, I know you're going to be shocked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, for some reason, uh, there are there's only one uh, actual rating so far, and no uh, actual uh, reader commentary. So apparently this was a trick that uh, they did with Bobby Kennedy's book on the real Anthony Fauci. Well, it's, it's interesting that, yeah, the truth about, uh, is it the, I think it was the truth, no, the real Anthony Fauci, you're right. The, uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but uh, he gave me an early draft, like as you did, and I wrote a review on the first day and it was the most popular review. It had over 8,000 thumbs up or whatever like that they, yeah, so it was there was like twenty five thousand reviews, and mine was number one. But Amazon, you know, joined the censorship uh, crowd, and they actually just got rid of my all the top comments, <laughs> including yeah, mine. Exactly the point. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a specific. I'm I'm giving a shout out to anybody that's bought the e version, uh, um, direct from Tony Lyons. Uh, at, who's the publisher asking that if you did buy it, please quickly uh, get your ratings in there before they shut it down as they may have already. Um, yeah, a lot yeah. of shenanigans. And you mentioned Amazon has joined it, but as we discuss in the book, uh, our initial book about um, how to prepare and protect from the novel coronavirus that came out, we published it in the first week in February of 2020. 
Um, it, that was that was deleted by Amazon in March. Of I was going to mention that too because you, you now you co-wrote this book with your wife Jill, who's yeah, she, she I mean, really gets the she really gets the gold star. She put it together. I helped edit. I wrote a chapter, um, but it, she really um, pushed herself hard to get that out, basically because we were all afraid of it. And we wanted to do whatever we could to help uh, protect our our friends and family and and you know the people around us. It was really written with with our local neighbors in mind. Yeah, and, and I uh, was going to mention that before, uh, but you beat me to it with respect to this oh, is not your first book on on uh, the coronavirus. You were actually that the first one as you mentioned was in January of two thousand twenty, right when it, it came the out. First first week in February. First week in February, I was close, close. Yeah, we, so, so we put it out. We got that phone call from Callahan on January 4th of 2020 mm-hmm. and both got busy. And uh, Jill particularly focused on writing this, what was going to be her first self-published Amazon book. Um, she's a big fan of Kindle and uh, she was really excited about this. And it was just heartbreaking for her to put so much effort, hours and hours and put together, you know, it's a hundred plus page book, all referenced and sciency and everything else. And, uh, and they just whacked it, uh, for no yeah. reason at all. And they wouldn't give us any explanation. And, uh, we kept surprise. Uh, yeah. Surprise. Well, it was <laughs> a surprise then. I mean, uh, and, and we asked again and again, they had a policy. They would always give you an explanation, you know, oh, there's, you know, porn in there, whatever the thing is, right. Or you made fun of fat people, whatever the sin was, they would always tell you because so you could fix it. Mm-hmm. But in this case, we could never get an answer. And then it finally came down. It violated community standards. The yeah, first time that, we'd ever heard that phrase. No, the, the, the now very common phrase. <laughs> That was invented essentially for this pandemic, it seems, <laughs> to, so, I agree. to justify all the censorship. So, um, well, that was good. The, it, it, I suspect Jill is also uh, plays a big role in the amazing Substack site that you have, which is, in my view, one of the best sites to review if you want to keep current on what's going on because you do just a magnificent job of calling what's out there and putting up i don't know it seems a dozen or 20 two dozen posts a day it's pretty pretty active <laughs> isn't well, that's it kind. uh no we're not zero hedge uh um uh, but yes yeah, jill jill does uh a heck of a lot of work and um she produces probably at least half of the essays uh, and then we also have some from uh, various others. Uh, we have a, a small team of writers now that started. That are also- oh, you know, I, I, I am sorry. I, I didn't mean to explode that with your subset. I confused it with your Getter account, which seems to have that many. I, oh, I'm the Getter account. Yes. So yeah. we do. Yeah, I- so thank you. Um, yeah, the Substack, we, we put out one, sometimes three pieces a day. That's a heavy lift for us, but we try to treat it like a business. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Getter in particular, we get a lot of information from mm-hmm. people, from friends and colleagues, et cetera, sending us stuff. And um, we just use that as our main outlet to try to make it possible for other people to stay abreast of the things that are coming at us. 
So thanks for yeah. the shout out too. You do a great job. And, uh, you know, if anyone's interested in getting the, the, the real current cutting edge stuff as to what's happening today or has happened in the last day or two, then I would strongly recommend going to Dr. Malone's uh, Getter account. I think it's Robert Malone, MD. It's at RW Malone, MD. And mm-hmm. we also uh, use Gab and Truth Social, but it's mostly Getter. Yeah. And the Getter account now is up to north of 425 uh thousand followers, which is almost where I was with Twitter um, when I got deplatformed right before the Rogan uh, interview last December. Yeah. And I think that's when you started Getter too. So that's not too bad considering it's less than a year and you're almost at half a million. Yeah. I I think um, it's, I think we've kind of saturated the people that are on Getter. Uh, So, uh, but, but, uh, but I'm very grateful uh, if, if, uh, we hadn't had Getter, I wouldn't have had any other venue that I could move to. Uh, Facebook, I, my name alone is toxic. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, just probably always will be. But there is a chance that you, you could be resurrected on Twitter. A really good chance, it seems. I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. Uh, <laughs> Twitter's a hot mess anyhow. I mean, the only place worth is worse is Telegram. Uh uh, it's you know it's just full of uh, bots and trolls and and unpleasantness and people trying to one up each other and and uh, you know insulting other people seems to be the coin of the realm in that environment. I I just don't find it very pleasant. Yeah, well, Elon's put in forty four billion to purchase it, and it, it seems like he's sleeping at Twitter now until he gets it yes. fixed. So. <laughs> and and. Uh, Fact checking uh, the president and Hillary Clinton. Uh, that's pretty rich. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I agree. The, the uh, interestingly, um, NewsGuard, I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, the I, I don't believe they're part of the Trusted News Initiative, but uh, they're nevertheless an arm of the, the global cabal uh, and what they use to justify their censorship. They, they, we're aggressively following the Twitter changes and there's a dozen people or so they were monitoring that were known for prominent misinformation. I, of course, being one of them and they, they, they posted an article that said our engagement went up by 2000% the week after uh, Twitter was purchased by Musk. So that's just another example of, it, accurate statistics, but it's totally uh, manipulated to, to make you think that this engagement is really meaning anything because our engagement, even a 2000% increase, it's a fraction of a fraction of what it used to be before they started uh, censoring us. <laughs> well, I'm surprised you're still on there. So congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we seek to follow the rules or our, our, uh, as did I. I. I mean, I, back when I was on it, I, it was, uh, you know, this fine line of self-censorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, JP Sears is a is a master at that. Uh, in his YouTube uh, pieces, he always he never says the word vaccine or vaccination. He always mutters it. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so pretty, that it pretty, does, pretty it clever. Get picked up by the filters. Yeah, but my sin. So what happened with Twitter and why I'm not particularly sanguine that I'm going to get back on is some colleagues of mine in California filed a lawsuit and they asked me to join that lawsuit, other docs um, that had also been deplatformed. Uh, and um, and the uh, court in California 
uh, um, would not consider the argument that was allowed for uh, Alex Berenson. And so we were suddenly faced with a anti-slap um, uh, fine if uh, after the judge determined that the lawsuit was frivolous uh, to get us back on Twitter and would not allow us to proceed. And so we were faced with uh, suddenly having to pay over a million dollars in legal fees or uh, signing a document that would say that, that said that we would not seek to be admitted back onto Twitter again. Hmm. So uh, facing a million dollars in fines, I thought probably uh, since I wasn't particularly um, uh, enthusiastic about Twitter in the first place, uh, that discretion was the better part of bankruptcy. Uh, but that's that's the way that game got played, and and I really don't think they're likely to bring me back on. I I'm kind of amazed at this. It, but one of the things that that came out in the uh, proceedings was they actually documented what my sin was, mm. which they would never do before. That caused me to get excommunicated or defrocked or whatever you want to call it, detweeted, deplatformed. Yeah, just so, um, and uh. My, my particular final sin was that I posted the uh, <laughs> video um, from the Canadian COVID care alliance oh, yeah. that documented the fraud in the Pfizer trials. That was an excellent video. It was absolutely really one dead of the on. Ones. Oh. <laughs> it, was per- it was it was completely accurate, uh, but uh, not acceptable. Apparently, I think there's a little uh, indicator there about who's paying the bills on a lot of this. But we'll see uh, what comes out over time. And wasn't that the the posting that you believed it was before before you got final confirmation? I, I had inferred that that was that was my uh, my crime, uh, my thought crime. But in fact, they confirmed it. And everything in that video is true. Absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's it's just it was, a fantastic. The production quality was excellent, and it was just me retweeting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and then LinkedIn at the same time also whacked me. Uh, and, uh, the other day I was noodling around and for some reason clicked on, uh, a link to somebody's LinkedIn post or something. And, uh, and it brought me to this page that said, uh, something to the effect that, uh, I should reactivate my account. So I thought, well, what do I have to lose? Um, so I filed for that and, did their necessary little paperwork. And they came back and said, well, due to my continuing violations after having been kicked off of LinkedIn, I'm permanently banned. And I'm scratching my head going, what were the continuing violations when I was kicked (laughs) off of your platform? It's kind of circular, but it, it, I mean, none of this, none none of this has to make sense. Yeah. Um, It's whatever they say it is reality. That's the big lesson. I think you've seen it too. Uh, Reality is whatever they say it is. Yes, and we can perhaps dive into that a little bit more, but I wanted to go go back to the book, uh, which is now out. And the I believe you, you wrote on your Substack article yesterday that uh, the, which I don't think is typical, but the electronic version, the Kindle version, is significantly longer and larger than the. Um, I think the print that's version. just a, that's just formatting. That's just page formatting. Oh, so it's easier to read because it's bigger print. Bigger yeah, font. and and um, they spread. Kindle. I'm not a, I'm not an avid Kindle user, uh, but Jill is, and she says that's frequently the case. 
Hmm. Um, we are, we, that this is part of the reason for trimming the chapters down. And it's unfortunate because a lot of, of good information content and, and valued submissions from colleagues uh, hit the cutting room floor. But uh, it was so long that uh, Tony, Fa- uh, Tony, that was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> Tony Lyons' uh, comment was uh, that it would mostly serve as a uh, doorstop. Um, and we absolutely had to cut it down or the font was going to have to get so small that it would even be smaller than uh, the real Anthony Fauci font. Uh, and that has a backstory that you probably know since you were one of the editors. Uh, but no, so, I, I was just an early reviewer. I wasn't an editor for sure. Oh, I, I had to edit the whole thing twice. Um, oh, you and, did? I didn't yeah. know that. That was a big task. Because it, it was, I, was a, I was depressed for two weeks afterwards. Uh, it, it was, it, you know, it's it hits you in the gut that book. Um, but yeah, so so that was a, I I read it through the first time. I'm like, you know, Bobby really gets going on chapter three, mm-hmm. uh, but it really needs a better introduction. <laughs> and so he wrote this comprehensive introduction. That's fantastic. It's the best part of the whole book. I mean, you can read the first chapter and you and you get the the punchline in many ways. Uh, the consequence was that they had already printed the cover. Uh, and suddenly the size of the book exploded. And so uh, Tony Lyons was faced with the paradox of either throwing away the printed covers that he'd already had run or crunching the font size. And so that's why that ends up so scrunched up hmm. uh, in that in that original version. Um, <laughs> Did they uh, change it in subsequent? Because he, he republished that book so many times. It was, I think it sold over a million copies or close. I hope so. It deserves to have, have sold Des- over. Yeah, despite the censorship and yeah. no major media covering it at all. Zero. Yeah. And all the shenanigans that we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, it, so you know, where, since where are you, we at now? <laughs> since you edited his book, did he at least write you a forward for your years? He, he, so um, he, there is a beautiful forward. Uh, and I actually recorded an audio. You mentioned the Substack that I put out yesterday. Yeah. Um, and uh, my Substack uh, folks really like to have an audio track, mm. and so uh, they like to be able to click it and and go do the dishes or work in the workshop or whatever the thing is. And uh, so I read um, kind of the prelude to the book, and then I also read Bobby's uh, introduction. Um, uh, which is frankly embarrassing for me. It's so generous. Um, it's it's such a wonder to have had the opportunity to make new friends like yourself and Bobby and people from all over the world over the last three years. It's been one of the great pleasures and a real counterpoint to all the ugliness associated with the corporate media and the censorship. Yeah, so... That's a good point because some people may just be aware of your scientific credibility and expertise uh, and not recall or ever been exposed to the backstory uh, of how you got here. So you sacrificed a lot. You really did. You lost loads of uh, business revenue producing ventures that you were in that you had to essentially uh, terminate. Or were terminated. I don't recall the details, but you essentially lost a big portion of your income 
as a result of your participation in this information campaign once you became aware of the of the concerns and the dangers. So perhaps you can just summarize that so people who have may not been exposed to that previously can know what you've gone through and that really you you were one of the targets and to take you out. And I mean, you, you suffered personally as a result of what you participated in. So the, the consequences of all this, yeah, I, for decades, Jill and I have run a consulting business and uh, we've done so successfully in part by staying quiet and behind the scenes. That's what our clients typically like. And uh, in order to, really speak truth about what was happening here. Uh, we had to come out from under uh, cover and and uh, go public. And uh, as you know, uh, you're, you're a poster child for this. As soon as you start speaking truth about these forbidden topics like vaccine safety, um, we were immediately attacked, which caused us to make the decision to go to alternative media and now to publish and uh, finally put this book out. Uh, it has been a rough road, uh, but like I was saying a moment ago, we've made so many new friends from all over the world that uh, I think that's that's really compensation in and of itself. And right now we're, we're uh, sustaining ourselves through Substack, and it's an interesting situation. We've never... Uh, required that anybody pay to subscribe. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really um, kind of amazing. Uh, we've tried to do the right thing mm -hmm. uh, and have not focused on commercialization. Some of my colleagues have, have found themselves forced to uh, do various things to try to keep afloat. Um, and we've just... Uh, tried to do the right thing and speak truth to power and um and these benefits such as the subscribers on Substack have just come and supported us and have have had uh donations from other individuals donations that came through the Malone Institute and otherwise that have have allowed us to keep going so um i i don't you know i i really try not to complain or whine uh, I think that's one of my core messages is, yep, none of this is fair. None of this is right. None of this is ethical. And you have to get over it. You have to just recognize that this is the nature of the situation we're in. And it's not really personal. It's it's about a system that has uh, come to the point where uh, the uh, the government and and corporate media uh, just treat all of us as um, grist for the mill in order to uh, reinforce whatever it is the the um, the narrative it, it that they want to push and uh, and so it it helps to not take it personally although it can be um, a little painful from time to time. I'm glad uh, to hear the, of your support, and I. Do require, I think even this just earlier this morning, I looked at the ratings on Substack for paid subscribers, and I think you were in the top 10. So congratulations that people recognize uh, 
your value and are supporting you through that uh, mechanism. And, and everyone here can do that too. And it's not an expensive subscription. I think it's like $5 a month or so somewhere in that range. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, the way we've done it is that we don't ask anybody to subscribe. We have, uh, you know, grandmothers and pensioners and people that uh, want to read the information. And, and the goal was to get the information out, to make it available to people, not to make money off of it. And so, uh, we set it up so that we only we the, our only restriction is that if you want to participate in the chat room underneath it, mm-hmm. you have to subscribe, which has the lovely benefit of keeping all the trolls out because they mm-hmm. don't save five bucks a month, and so it creates kind of a safe space. Uh, and oftentimes the comments are uh, as useful and enlightening as anything that I say or Jill has to say. Um, we've created a lovely little community that interacts with each other on a on a routine basis, uh, treats each other with respect for the most part. If they don't, uh, they find themselves uh, deplatformed. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, that's that's my criteria. Is not are you saying things that aren't uh, acceptable, uh, but rather are you are you um, being unkind? uh to to other people that are participating and um so it's it's a it's a wonderful thing and um so thanks for for the uh shout out yeah for sure and the other way that you can su- anyone watching this can support you is through purchasing the book that you've just published so uh the timing couldn't be better it was supposed to be out this summer but it's coming out just before Christmas. So there's plenty of time that you can purchase this book for uh, your friends and family, if you're not, or yourself, but you know, it's certainly great for gifts. So the electronic version or the print version. So they're both available uh, very, you know, first by the first of December for sure. So uh, that's, that's, that's great. So why don't, can you, uh, I, I, it's been a while since I looked at the book and I think there's been some significant changes. So maybe you can summarize what the, uh, the whole purpose was. My recollection is that you, it was, a, it, was a, it was a collection of different essays on important topics, but perhaps you can uh, re- relay that more precisely. Yeah. So the, the problem we faced uh, when, uh, after I finished editing uh, that whole excursion with Bobby's book, and uh, Tony suggested that uh, we write our own, was how are we going to support ourselves through this? Uh, And in the end, I don't think we we got any um, honorarium or uh, um, any of that kind of stuff. I mean, publishing is not what, it's not as lucrative as it once was, you probably know. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we went to Substack in part was to uh, serialize it. And so we've used the Substack as a way to put out these essays. The structure of the book is uh, intended to follow the way that a physician encounters a patient, in which you have, typically when the patient first comes to you, you want to understand their main problem, their chief complaint, and take a history and physical then you want to go through a process of determining a diagnosis. What's really wrong with them? What's causing them to have that complaint? And then you want to come up with a treatment plan. And so that was that was the basic idea. The structure of the book was the first uh, third of it 
is personal anecdotes from people, myself, uh, Meryl Nass, Paul Merrick, uh, Pierre Corey, many others that have experienced this um, very directly, that the, the censorship, uh, the deplatforming, loss of license, all these things. So the people can have a sense of what it's really been like at the forefront. What, what have people been experiencing? Um, so, so that it isn't just a, a you know, concept uh, that they may have or some vague understanding of something that they've read on social media or, or um, in, the, in the corporate media. So they can get a sense of what it's really been like. And then the second part is an excursion in trying to get to sense-making that really started with Brett Weinstein's Dark Horse podcast when he posed the question to me and to Steve Kirsch. Um, what's really behind this? Is there a grand conspiracy, a single conspiracy, or is this an emergent phenomenon? And I think in the end, having spent months and months and months running down all these little warrens, these rabbit holes of the World Economic Forum and, and the central banks and uh, Tony Fauci and the DOD and all of that stuff, um, I've come to the conclusion that it is really... Um, multifactorial, um, and that it it is a situation where I'm sure there was some nefarious bad actors uh, behind this. But in addition, there was a lot of opportunism and people uh, taking advantage of a system and a situation in ways that they had kind of planned before, that when something like this came up, they would take advantage of. And the uh, folks uh, like Ed Dowd mm -hmm. that uh, have a much deeper understanding of the economics than I do, Ernst Wolf is another one. Unfortunately, his chapter uh, hit the floor. Um, there's, it was quite clear that there were major uh, financial liquidity problems going into this and that that opportunity was exploited to inject massive amounts of capital and restructure the economy uh, in ways that um, we're still start just beginning to appreciate uh, as we're encountering inflation um, and this stagflation cycle we're in. So the middle part is about making sense. And then the last part was the hardest one to write at all of the whole thing. Uh, as we were coming up with the title, uh, Tony Lyons really loved the uh, lies my government told me. Everybody thought that was a fantastic title. And I, I just found it a little dark, a little grim. And because uh, I know how many there, somebody wrote in, in a comment the other day, uh, um, lies my government told me. Well, that's an ever expanding uh, um, book. <laughs> uh, never ending. Um, and, and so I really wanted to try to end on a positive note. And so this is why I put in the line, the better future coming. And uh, that turned out to be the hardest part to write, because how do you envision after, after all that we've seen over the last three years, how do you envision a better future when you come to grips with the dark mutterings of um, Harari mm -hmm. and Klaus Schwab talking about transhumanism and the fourth industrial revolution, the fusion of man and machine, um, uh, the excess surplus labor, the need for uh, guaranteed uh, basic income, 
the logic behind uh, you will own nothing and be happy that that actually has a business model behind it. And when you come to terms with uh, the willingness of our government to suspend uh, the Bill of Rights in fundamental ways and to the most shocking for me and probably for you also, the willingness of our government to uh, disregard the norms of bioethics that have been established uh, for generations now uh, coming after World War II through a variety of different um, uh, meetings, councils, um, Helsinki Accords, Nuremberg, et cetera. Common rule, it's encoded in the Code of Federal Regulations, and yet they just completely disregarded it. You know, how do, how do, you, how do you imagine a better future um, when you're confronted by what is clearly a thrust towards totalitarian control? And, and I think the answer is uh, best captured. I mean, there's, there's chapters in there where I have the laundry list of these are the things that we can do to fix HHS, and this is the problems of the administrative state, and that's all kind of small ball mm-hmm. when, you're facing, uh, when you're facing this uh, trade organization of the thousand largest companies in the world that believe that they have a right uh, to run the entire global economy. And, uh, um, you know, how, how do you, how do you envision a future where there's such a massive force, um, driving towards a centralized command economy, totalitarianism, uh, based on, um, the concepts of really Marxist utilitarianism. And, and the answer is really best captured in one of the final chapters from a group in Italy that I've been fortunate to be associated with, um, and that's Apocrity Org. And uh, they, like uh, the World Council for Health um, under Tess Lurie, have been very committed to a vision of decentralization. And uh, um, intentional communities, and uh, they give some great examples of what they've done, which I think are really a fantastic uh, um, opportunity for all of the world to learn through their experience. These the physicians in Italy were censored at least as bad as the docs here in the states. They've lost their license, ability to practice. Hundreds of them have for the sin of. Uh, providing early treatment for patients and saving lives. And uh, they've come together and formed this organization, and they're now starting their own medical school, hmm. um, Hippocrate. And, uh, and they've done very novel things like assembled uh, local community groups in cities and towns throughout Italy that are engaging in training and this includes uh, you'll you'll enjoy this as a as somebody who has been so successful in integrative medicine and a leader. Um, these uh, these groups are setting up training programs, including training programs for physicians to de-specialize, 
So those docs that have been hospitalists, that have been focused in very narrow specialties, are, are learning and have set up mentorship with primary care physicians to uh, learn the, the tools of the trade to allow them to go back to, uh, you know, I'd say old school medicine, to treating patients, uh, which is where so much of the joy comes from. Uh, and, and all of the things that they've been subjected to, just like many of the docs here in the United States, have led them to conclude that uh, corporate medicine is just not the place they want to be. Yeah, sure. So I think that's that's the future going forward, is, is uh, we're confronted by a nexus, uh, uh, a, a point coming up at us in time where humanity is either going to go down in a massive way, down a path of... Uh, um, having to comport with uh, a vision um, advocated by technocrats and economists in which we are all numbers, we're all economic units, and uh, we will be um, forced into a situation of centralized control just as uh, now the G20 is seeking that we all have health certificate passports in order to travel. This is just the latest. Um, we can go down that pathway or we can find another way. Uh, and I think the other way is trying to envision a decentralized future, the, the diametric opposite of what they're trying to push us towards, in which we're all empowered. And we don't have a centralized leadership structure. And we seek ways uh, to organize ourselves so that we're protected from these people that are basically predatory um, uh, predatory narcissists uh, that are in this kind of sociopath, uh, psychopath uh, nexus, which for some reason, so many of our corporate structures and, and leadership structures seem to select for people like that. And, and I think that's, that's the opportunity and the challenge for all of us is, is how do we come through this, those of us that are awake, remembering that perhaps only 10% of people really want to be free. But for those of us that, that value freedom, uh, and I'm one and I suspect you are another, uh, you know, we, how, how are we going to organize ourselves as we head into a future and, uh, and hopefully provide some role models and leadership for the rest that seek mostly to follow. And, and I hope that, uh, what we can do is um, find find our souls uh, and move towards a future where we treat each other with respect, um, dignity, respect the importance of human dignity, and uh, commit ourselves to integrity, to acting in integrity with transparency. These are the things that we've lost. Um, and I think the book really really brings that to fore is that all throughout the system of governance, really global governments now, and down into the weeds of, of things like school boards, we've lost integrity. People are willing to lie and misrepresent and uh, hide behind their conflicts of interest and not disclose them. 
And somehow we have to get back to a space where that's not acceptable. So you're a pretty smart guy and you've studied this pretty deeply and you have some very uh, uh, significantly excellent critical thinking skills. So there's no question anyone who's evaluated what you just said and looked at this carefully would ever effectively argue against decentralization model being the solution. The challenge to that is the pragmatic realities that we face in the global cabal and their ability to implement these, the power that they've attained over centuries. So, and I I perceive probably the biggest threat that we immediately uh, is in front of us is the World Health Organization seeking to attain the authority to declare a global pandemic and have it as the world control force for implementing any call, any plan of action that would control all governments. We'd lose our sovereignty or our autonomy in a, in a global epidemic, which they declare. If, if they tried to do that this summer, it failed. But my understanding is they're going to continue to re-implement that and, and probably eventually be successful. So I'm wondering if you could share your beliefs or projections as the likelihood of of a decentralized model being successful as opposed to the global cabal continuing their yeah their their Um, excursion into our freedoms and i'm and i'm being hit uh with uh multiple requests uh even today um uh for uh press commentary about this uh, new position that the g20 has taken Mm -hmm. uh in favor of basically personal ID health certificates mm-hmm. to restrict global travel. Um, I fear that things have progressed to such a point that as you as you suggest, um, we not we may not be able to uh, overcome the momentum that confronts us. Uh, and um, I can, I'm, we're, you and I are aligned uh, that the modification of the international health regulations, which are proposed to be backed by the World Trade Organization as the enforcement arm for the World Health Organization, so that they'll be able to impose sanctions on non-compliant countries. Uh, if if we had 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 a major wave election um, a couple of weeks ago. I would have been more optimistic, but um, I fear that this will get pushed through under this administration um, this summer, as you're suggesting, some aspect of this. Remembering that the international health regulations that were basically blocked by the African nation states because they wanted to protect their own sovereignty were pushed by the United States government. We were the origin of that. And... uh, that's that's why I've emphasized intentional communities. I I'm of the opinion that um to a significant extent they will have their way with us. Yeah. And uh and so what do you do in in the face of that? What do you uh-huh. do in the face of this profound evil? Uh and and the only the thing that I've come up with, and it's not just me, I had a long dinner with David Martin, where we discussed Mm -hmm. this, 
Um, and we seem to be very aligned. He has a lot more insight into some of the economic aspects. But uh, I've just come back from a meeting uh, for three days in Mexico City with a group of very intelligent folks that uh, are very active in business and investment. And um, many of them are establishing their own intentional communities, local intentional communities. My sense is that there is a reasonable chance that we will see these uh, local uh, consortium collections, intentional communities, whatever phrase you want to use, pop up all over the world. They will all have their own characteristics. And I think the opportunity is to create some way for them to come together and form their own network, their own matrix. And uh, my concern is that right now we're so dependent on an internet that is subject to arbitrary and capricious modification um, from the ICANN committee or others. And I'm not talking about Del Bigtree's ICANN, mm -hmm. but rather the governor's board for the internet. Um, so we have to, there's some fundamental problems we have to solve, but I think there's ways that we can approach this. And this is what I've uh, recently been focusing on in the Substack to a large extent is trying to envision not the solution. I think the solution cannot be imposed or created by any one person or even a small group of people because then we'll end up falling into exactly the same trap. Um, I think that it has to emerge organically from many different groups from all over the world interacting with each other. Um, but I think what we can do is envision a process to enable it. And I think that that process starts by defining what the need is, what it is that we as a community of independent thinkers and, and um, networks. I mean, you, you really, Dr. McCullough represent a, a significant community. Mm -hmm. um, you are a major community leader and many people look up to you. Uh, so, so I think, um, we can envision a process where key uh, people come together representing their communities and define what it is that we want to see in a decentralized world and what are the problems in getting there. And then once we define what those are, then we can start working on coming up with solutions to that problem set. And I suggest the way to do that is that we learn from the book of Irving Janus called Victims of Groupthink, in which he points out that uh, the most effective way to involve, to avoid these major policy fiascos that the U.S. government seems to find itself in from time to time, is to create a, a group of separate problem-solving groups, completely separate not interacting with each other, give them a common set of problems. That's why we have to start with defining the problems. Let them come up with their own solutions and then merge so that you avoid groupthink, that you have um, independent solutions coming from a wide variety, a diverse array of different people from different cultures and nation states, and then come together and see if we can't find common ground among those. I think that's a process that could work, 
but I'm very wary of anybody who thinks that they have the answer right now. Um, and uh, but I think that um, I might be able to help um, facilitate a process. So that's what I'm trying to focus on: is how could we get there? Um, not not um, saying, "Oh, I know the answer. We need to, you know, do this or do that." Um, I think that that we're there's a lot of classic traps that the medical freedom movement is starting to find itself in. And one of those is the trap of the cult of personality. Um, and uh, it's easy to get caught up in the fame and adulation. Uh, but um, uh, I think we really have to fight that and um, come together uh, in a way that does not set up any one person to be the leader but rather enables all of us to be leaders. Decentralized model. Yep. We do appreciate the time with us. I would encourage everyone to support Dr. Malone by participating in Substack as a paid member or and or purchasing his book. So he needs our help and support, and, and I, I believe he deserves it. He's a critical thinker and providing a voice out there that really isn't coming from a lot of other people. So thank you for everything you're doing. And I hope your book is a, is a major success. Well, thank you. And, and, um, you know, sincerely from the heart, as I said before, thank you for your leadership, um, and for, uh, your, your strength, um, in persevering in the face of all these things that we both have experienced. Yes, indeed. Well, you know, fortunately, I developed a revenue stream really early on that was essentially immune to what they're doing. So, um, and we stayed clear of the, the process. But anyway, uh, I'll let you get to your next call and uh, hope you have great success with the book. Thanks for everything you're doing. Thank you, sir. All right.